to the Homeworkies podcast. We are so excited today. We have a very special guest, and uh, it's just me, Rachel, today, because uh, Amber is busy, busy, busy. And uh, we, but we have very excited to talk to Eric Mabius. This is so cool. All the postables are going to be thrilled. <laughs> and thank you so much <laughs> for taking the time to to talk with us on our little podcast. I'm so excited. We just uh, aired our latest installment of Seinfeld Delivered, and we had a we had a tweet storm that was uh, unlike any we had had before. It was very exciting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The the Postables are a passionate passionate group. They love their their movies, yeah. and it was a good one. Did you watch? Yes, we wa- I watched it and I oh. loved it. It was really good. Oh, great. What we like to do when we have uh, guests is we like to ask you to just introduce yourself and to tell us what inspired you to become an actor. Hello, my name is Eric Mabius. I play All the Row Tool on Seinfeld Delivered and Hallmark. Um, gee, what inspired me to be an actor? Probably an a number of things. One of them, first and foremost, being that my parents were um, really big uh, movie buffs when I was a child. I grew up in the 70s, so we didn't have access to VCRs or DVDs, things like that. But we did um, have drive-in theaters, which is something that I still am pretty passionate about, and I miss being able to go to. There still is one up near where I live uh, part of the year in Massachusetts, which is very exciting for us. They have a double feature, usually something for the kids, which is funny because that's kind of what it was when I was a kid. There'd be the first movie and it would be something fun. And then hopefully the kids would fall asleep and something for the parents after that. And that's mm. kind of how I remember catching my first um, glimpses of movies that I shouldn't have, but movies that made an indelible impression. One of them being Richard Harris in A Man Called Horse. I will never forget that. <laughs> when they're performing the sun ceremony and they have the eagle talent through his pectoral muscles. That's something burned in my brain, but there was something about that, not to be too graphic, but uh, it was just the transformative effect of, of cinema for me, but also the event of going to that place. You know, when you want to express a certain thing, one goes to church or a place of worship, you know, um, the drive-in theater certainly is a ritual, uh, or was a ritual, and certainly a place where uh, you honor, I think, cinema in such a yeah. specific way. And also the trips that my mom takes on uh, to New York once in a while to see Broadway shows. It was some. There was something sort of uh, I couldn't obviously as a child I couldn't quite put my finger on, but. The, I couldn't quite understand how a person could be one thing and also another. And I think there was something completely magical to me in that. And that's still sort of, which is why I love being an audience member. I love being able to um, suspend disbelief, just sit there and be uh, almost childlike when you experience something that's really done well and transports you to another place. Yeah, That's a very I, long answer. No, Sorry. I appreciate it. No, it's very good. I I remember something similar uh, as far as just that theatrical experience that really you never forget. Uh, when I was uh, uh, when I was ten, going to see a 
Beauty and the Beast at the Villa Theater in Salt Lake that had a balcony. And uh, it was, uh, yeah. you know, there's that special experience. I yeah. mean, it's such a special movie. But that, that was a big one for me. Yeah. yeah, and I love that because everyone has their equivalent experience of that, yeah. which, which is so great. You know, when Star Wars came out in the theater, I was a little, I was probably, I think it was six. But uh-huh. um, my, parents, my parents were so caught up in it, we watched it, and then we got back and saw it again right away. It was the only time I think we ever did that in our lives. Uh, that's one of those wonderful, feverish kind of eyes. Yeah. Anyway. I, I also remember seeing Home Alone. Uh, that was a very another very influential one for me, and just <laughs> thinking it was the most hilarious movie I ever seen in my life, and I still think it's funny. <laughs> you know, it's funny as well. Whenever it's on TV, um, they, we can't pass go past it. And they, it's a it's a must. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Well, that's great. So okay, uh, so <clears throat> I wanted to talk to you about first about your character on ugly betty daniel and uh, i was curious what was it what was special about playing daniel um uh what was special uh the writing was outstanding i think i just i feel like sylvia orta did an unparalleled job on that show there was it was again you know, SSD for many different reasons and, you know, the specific circumstances and the actors and the place and time. But to have the caliber of actors that we did on Ugly Betty, every single person uh, could have led that show. And we were a, a true ensemble. And I just thought there was an immeasurable amount of talent in my co-stars and the writing and the 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 sort of unbridled glee that we would have uh, going to work every day. It was just, it was a unique experience for me up until that point in my life. And the fact that there was such um, recognition um, from Mm -hmm. critics and audiences to stand on the stage. You know, it's one of those out of body experiences to stand on stage at the golden globe awards and looking down and in the front rows there's there's brad pitt there's there's leo dicaprio there's beyonce and jay-z and prince (laughs) and uh you're standing on stage and next to you is your girlfriend on the show and your executive producer salma hayek and you're holding a golden globe in your hand i just i don't i don't know how I mean, other than going to Prince's house for the after party, I don't know how um, one could ever hope for anything better in one's life. I mean, not that this is about accolades, but it's it certainly is an incredible icing on the cake. Sure, sure, that would be really amazing. I can't even imagine what that would be like. <laughs> I, on the surface, it seems like Daniel and Oliver are very different characters, uh, but I'm just curious if you saw any similarities between them. Um, I don't, well, I mean, to the extent that we are all people trying to do our best mm-hmm. with the tools that we're given, I mean, there's a, the basic, I think, humanity parallels, but I think there were, they couldn't have been any more different. Yeah. <laughs> um, although like in, in general, like men 
uh, people in general, but men trying to act a certain way, but not having the uh, experience or the teaching to fill those shoes. You know, as we've gone along in Oliver's character, he's really, you know, there was a, there was certainly substance, but it was hidden, and it was a lot of form without that substance. Um, as he comes to grips with the fact that his biological father put him up for adoption, and that um, uh, Joseph, who raised him, was not his um, real father, but in the end, he realized that he was. Right. You know, and Daniel was struggling, struggling with a father who was absent and tried to bully him and didn't give him love. You know, there were a lot. There's a lot of. I don't. I wouldn't say parallels, just to the extent that they're all human beings trying to do the best that they can with the tools that they were or weren't given. Right. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, Cool. Uh, Well, so I actually love your Hallmark TV uh, movie, uh, How to Fall in Love. It's one of my favorites. Yes. (laughs) And I love that. You know, um, uh, Bart Fisher wrote that. He he was an executive. That was the first script he wrote. Oh, really? uh, For Hallmark. Yeah. And now he's just a full time writer. I mean, not just, but he's. Interestingly, um, he's decided to become a full-time writer. That was a, a really fun script and a great co-star. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think it's one of the best non-Christmas movies. I really do. I am not just saying that because I'm interviewing you. Uh, but Amber and I both really love it. <laughs> and it's that, goofy and sweet yeah. and genuine. And, you know, we keep talking about um, doing a sequel. Fun. <gasps> really? Oh, I'd love that. Yeah, well, yeah, just um, you should just let Bart Fisher know, and he'll write it. Oh, we'll be on it for sure. <laughs> okay, yeah, he's great. <laughs> we will be on it on Twitter. Uh, yeah, that would be really great. We would love that. Uh, uh, now I feel like uh, Harold in that one is more, uh, more similar to Oliver. Uh, again, you know I. I know two people are the same, but I, I, I don't know. Yeah. I think that, I think that, again, I try and find the, the, all you can do is find humanity in these people. And, and Harold was wounded by something that happened to him early on. And we all um, have something that shaped us during our formative years. So there are parallels, certainly. Mm-hmm. You know, like Daniel's character, you know, having his his brother die only to come back as a woman, you know, and a father who wasn't mm-hmm. there. He was doing the best again. You know, I think the same with Harold and there's such an evolution. That's why well, people don't understand sometimes about these scripts. They may not be true to life, but there is a, there's certainly um, there's something that everyone can relate to because we are all in essence, feeling like we're in over our heads or fish out of water at one point in our lives. And if we're not, then we're not in touch with being human. I think. Well, I think both Harold and Oliver have a certain degree of social awkwardness that, uh, that, uh, that Daniel, let's say, didn't seem to have as much. Well, again, Daniel, that was a lot of, he was uh, acting as if Yeah, and, uh, there were times where he really was, with, with his feelings early on, I mean, Betty taught him how to be more fully human. He was completely awkward in so many ways because he wasn't given those 
face it, tools in life. That's true. That's a good and, uh, she helped him. She helped him become more complete as a person. Yeah. That's why I loved, I mean, the ending was, you know, without going into the details of, unfortunate details of the ending of the show, which <laughs> devastated everyone, surprised everyone. I felt like the ending of Ugly Day was really a starting point. That's why I'm, I'm hoping we'll come back for more SSDs because here we are finally pulling back some of these layers of Oliver and, and yeah. laying his soul more to bear because of the relationship that Shane and Oliver have developed, that he's become more fully human and that this is a, really a jumping off point starting to figure out how to take on the future together. Well, if we they certainly... get married and when they get married and what, you know, yeah. all the foibles that come with, it's sort of like he's been a boy man up until this time. Yeah. Yeah. Now he's grown into... Really curious to see him as them as a, as a true couple, I, I would be really excited to see that and what Martha would do in, in the, in the story. So I hope so. Uh, yeah, all right. She would do, she would do an incredible job. Yeah. I'm just, I'm so amazed. Every, every time we come to the table thinking, okay, we can expect a lot of twists and turns and where we start is never where we end up. But every time we sit down and do our read through, you know, she gets everyone usually, uh, during the course of our read through, she gets at least, you know, per, usually everyone breaks down at one point, which is still amazing after five years of doing this. Right. Let's dive into Sign Seal Delivered. And now, okay. and so I, I was, so how do you think that Oliver has grown as a character through the series uh, and the movies and everything like that? Um, Well, I think he's learned incredible lessons of letting go in general. I think um, the by slowly um, allowing their friendship to develop and the relationship to develop, I think the audience has earned uh, a, a relationship that has a real strong foundation. I think that he has learned not to take himself so seriously and has learned to let go of um, a lot of the the pain that he's carried around with him, the issues of his father, the issues of his um, failed marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, when there were just three there, it was uh, somehow off balance. And the fact that there are four in the office, it feels, it feels much more grounded for a number of reasons. Yeah. yeah. Um, besides just the obvious. Silly question, but do you have to drink the yoo do you no, like no. That? <laughs> no, no, that would be horrible. It's uh, sorry, I, nothing against you. It's just not. Uh, I'm actually pretty uh, annoyingly healthy when it comes to most of the things I eat. Yeah. Um, and I would probably be sick if I had to <laughs> drink that um, fifty times in a take. We, it's like it's chocolate almond milk. It's okay. fine. It's, it's bearable. Because I think the you is disgusting. I don't like it. So I was wondering. Yeah. Well, when I was a kid, I used to like it. But that's when, you know, your palate shifts, obviously. I, I, I can't even stand milk chocolate now. I eat so much dark chocolate. But anyway, <laughs> it's just funny. a thing. Yeah. Yeah. But it is fun. It's like some things you have because it reminds you of, like I introduced my boys to fluff. I mean, fluff is a great thing when you're a kid, but it's just one bite and, and kind of done. Right. right. 
like Twinkies. Like Twinkies are great. You have one bite and I'm all set. Right. You sugar for the year is done. Yeah. Exactly. That's yeah. <laughs> um, so how do you think that Oliver's faith has impacted his character? And, uh, and it's so hard to make, uh, I think, characters with faith, make them not feel heavy handed. And so I was curious, how do you think that Martha is able to find that balance? Um, it's not, I don't, I don't think it's something she struggles with because after all is said and done, wherever you are, whoever, whatever you believe in, if you are trying to shove that down someone's throat, then you're, what you're doing is projecting your insecurities in your own faith. Right. I don't know if that makes any sense. So if you have, you have your belief system, that's yours. That's no one can take that away from you. That's something that's very, very specific and very personal between you and your higher power. Right. right? And that's all there is to it as far as I'm concerned. So Martha, it's not a struggle for her because she is very firm. Her faith runs as deep as in anyone I've ever seen. I was raised in a, a pretty religious household. Uh, my uncle used to be a priest and my aunt used to be a nun, but that it was nice to be raised in an environment of uh, spirituality, but um, religion in terms of organized religion, it's really, you know, people's specific choice. I won't, I don't need to get into too much of that, but I, I think if it's real, it's grounded in the real that, that's what resonates with people. And Martha has that. It just comes out of her. She, she is the real deal. And I think all things sort of emanate from that in these characters. And to, I don't know if that answers your specific question yeah. in terms of Oliver, but there's no other way, you know, she's got a bright light. It shines. And I think it comes through Oliver. There are a certain amount of her grandfather that she puts into Oliver and it makes my job uh, easier and more difficult at the same time because there is so much gravitas there, but it's also uh, the faith that she's placed in me to do that. It um, fortifies me on a really in in a really deep place and um, allows all that stuff to flow right out of me. Yeah, that's really great. I I think what helps it is that there's never a sense of judgment with it and sometimes uh, in faith-based properties uh they're so they're trying so hard to be ministering which is ad i can understand that that sometimes they can end up becoming judgmental of people that aren't accepting of that ministry and uh and, and the, the problem yeah. is the problem is that people don't learn from the past like mm -hmm. this is it's okay to have incredible faith, but when you try and judge others or force it down other uh, someone else's throat, it does your belief system a disservice. Yeah. It, it cheapens it. It takes away all of its power. I, I, I'm, believe it or not, I'm showing my sons, we've been watching the Waltons from the beginning. Right. And I don't, I mean, I was, the show started before I was born, I think, but I watched it in reruns and Every episode, they deal with issues of faith, but they deal with it in such a way because um, the Mrs. Walton, um, I forget her first name now, but she's very judgmental and very 
um, God-fearing and very uh, conservative, and her husband is so much more tolerant. And every every single episode is about never turning a stranger who comes to your door away, about never judging someone who has different beliefs than you or someone who looks different than you. Or in the episode, it's the second episode after the pilot uh, called The Carnival. I just, I'm almost all the way through it. It's, it's funny you ask me that because it's, it's just that. Literally, literally, um, a circus is in town, a carnival is in town. The owner runs away with all the money and, and um, a bunch of the performers are left there struggling. So they're um, hiding out in barns and trying to steal, um, beg, borrow for food. And the police come around and say, be careful, lock your doors. These strangers are here. But they, they show up, a, a tall man, the, the um, little person, the mm-hmm. woman who does a risque dance act, the person who smokes. You know, the, and sorry, there's a roundabout way of saying that live. That's right. I think it's yeah. live. Is so judgmental. And her husband says, this is not what we believe in. It doesn't matter if they look different or right. that they smoke or that they drink. And we don't. We can't. We can't turn them away we can't cast them out or else we're hypocrites right and i think we keep forgetting that this is what i'm getting back to the point which is how can you be judgmental i mean if you believe you know if you're christian how can you turn someone away you feel more superior because you think that your way of worshiping is better so then that allows you to treat someone like they're less than human i mean i i think we keep forgetting the lessons yeah. that we're taught well and i think and that it's that's... all because of fear yeah yeah. yeah. Well, and I, I think that, uh, that that is what's so great about uh, Shane and Oliver's relationship because Oliver's never judgmental of Shane. And I love the Christmas movie. I think that movie is so great uh, about uh, both of them, kind of all the characters, even uh, uh, in that in that movie really i think come to these beautiful places of understanding of like what uh what christmas means and what faith means and what uh, like dealing with their uh their hurts <laughs> from childhood which yep. i think most of us have i i love yep. that movie i think it's so good yeah i do too and i think I really hope that they ask Martha to write another Christmas movie because mm. I mean, in essence, most of these movies that she's writing can be shown at Christmas because of the themes that are yeah. addressed in each one. Yeah. Agreed. Anyway. Do, do you have a favorite of the episodes or the movies that, that you, that you like the best? Um, it's, it's hard because I like certain aspects. It's like, and uh, in, in my opinion changes sort of depending on my mood, but I really, you know, I'm a huge Jimmy Stewart fan and uh, my Mr. Smith goes to Washington moment and the impossible dream is one of my favorites. Oh yeah. That one's a good one. There was something so resonant, especially even though we were in different political times that it's still, I mean, it's especially relevant nowadays where um, for the sake of trying to be right or, or people being ill-equipped to, um, negotiate across the aisle that uh, it's put our it's put a lot of people in danger mm-hmm. um, yeah you know as a parent it's a lesson that I have to learn all the time it's not you know it it's not about being right 
it's about treating people around you with respect and that golden rule that everyone seems to forget when it comes to politics nowadays, that there is a de- a common level of decency that is absent. And yeah. we're sending this generation right now a really horrible message. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Well, why do you think that Shane and Oliver have such good chemistry as a couple? Uh, because they're so different mm-hmm. and they're each so convinced that they're right. And in spite of that, they let those um, hangups slip away uh, just in one another's presence. Again, you know, Shane has taught Oliver to relax and smell the roses. And um, I also think that Oliver's taught Shane uh, that it's okay to trust and that it's okay to believe in something that you can't um, look up on the internet or you can't read in a book or put your finger on. Mm-hmm. And as a result, they become more whole during this um, evolution. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting to see the difference between Rita and Norman as a couple and Shane and Oliver. Like, it's an interesting, I feel like, contrast between the two couples. Yeah, and I think it's a great counterpoint because we have to have some, we have to have a relationship that is, um, in terms of the odds, been more successful and rewarding. There, there are certainly a number of steps ahead of them. They are uh, a much more likely quirky couple, uh, as opposed to Sharon Oliver, who are a much more unlikely couple, but you still feel satisfied with with the journey and the results, I think. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, so to the altar, uh, was uh, that, that must have been really fun, like on so many levels to film that, that movie. It really was. I am... I'm just a music worshiper and uh, having Kev Mo back was so exciting to me. I, I just, I just think he's, he's one of those people that seems a little more than human because of his ability to express himself the way that he does. And it's, it's just a joy to be around. And uh, Gregory Harrison has been probably my favorite television dad of my entire career. And his presence is really, um, when he's not there, it's sorely missed. And when it is there, everyone's just a little bit more calm and happy. And he's just, the, he's the resident dad. He really is. He just makes you feel like everything's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. And um, having Barry back, it was just so, his comic timing is impeccable. And his wit, although it seems broad at times, is probably among the driest I've ever come across. So it's really, he's one of those, he is a bit of a genius because you can't tell what he's thinking. Yeah. Yeah, he I could l- be joking with you, and he could really be trying to pull one over at the same time. Yeah, I loved the whole scene with <laughs> with Norman and Oliver talking about going to the movies. That was so sweet. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Yeah, I was saying. I think I was doing an interview uh, last week about it, and it's sort of Martha writes because we're on Hallmark. Martha writes as if we were in such a skillful way when um, the code, the Hollywood um, moral code was really first enacted where no one could, innuendo wasn't allowed and things were you know, much more uptight, but it's allowed, it's, it created some of the great comedy banter duos of, you know, of yeah. that century with uh, Coda, Colbert, and 
mm-hmm. Clark Gable and uh, Cary Grant and Kat, uh, Kate Hepburn, all those, yeah. you know, not to, not to compare us to that, but there's just such great banter back and forth. And, and that scene, you could see a scene like that were between Norman and Oliver, like you're about when you're talking about specifically in that era. And at the same time, it's completely uh, relevant today. You know, how do you talk about issues of uh, inadequacy and, mm-hmm. and address uh, bedroom talk and insecurity um, in a way that, delicate but also respectful i just think right. it's funny i mean first yeah. and foremost it's funny yeah no yeah that's what the show does so well we were talking we talked to crystal uh a, a couple uh last week and uh that's what uh we were talking about with her that it does have all these deeper themes of faith and stuff but it's also a really funny show which is is pretty <laughs> remarkable <laughs> to do yeah it's really great we've we've tried to I think that's great because, I mean, we're working with Marsa. Marsa created Touched by an Angel and Promised Land and, uh, you know, a number of really top-notch event television. And the fact that we get to go to work with her on each of these movies, it's yeah. it's a pretty wonderful thing. And all the, the people that she brings with her, you know, that, that we've gotten to work with Carol Burnett and yeah. Valerie Harper and Valerie Bertinelli and Mary Lou Henner and Gregory Harrison and Ken Moe and Harry Bostwick, you know, all she, it's because of her that these people come to the show and her writing. Yeah. And, I was um, going to ask if you had a guest star who you mentioned a bunch there, uh, that, uh, was, was particularly memorable, <laughs> but yeah, Carol Burnett, uh, Valerie. Harper, oh, Carol, I mean, I grew up, I mean, I grew up, my parents, uh, worshiped her show. There was something so, it was, so zany, but also there was so much heart in what she was doing. And, you know, Lucille Ball, of course, the, was the, you know, really the pioneer, but I felt like Carol, you know, picked up the torch and really ran with it and was, you know, really pushed the door wide open for women in comedy and, and, uh, and such, um, brilliant characterizations. Her time, her comic timing and her presence haven't diminished at all. I think she had, we had a birthday cake tour on her 84th or 85th birthday when um, when we were shooting a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. It's just remarkable. Yeah. Was that really fun with the whole green tie thing? That was like classic, I thought, ro- romantic. Uh, ro- uh, old school, old fashioned yep. romance. Yeah, I agree. I thought that was so wonderful. And the fact that it's, it's really funny. I don't remember. That's what's great. We are Kevin Fair, our director for most of these. I have so much faith in in him. I don't really overthink the things that I do, and I don't remember making those choices for that scene with the tie. But I love that Oliver. I'm I'm surprised when I watch. Like, uh, I, I love how excited Oliver was with the talking about family tradition. I realize that there's there's such um importance for him that kind of ritual, even though it's not by blood that it's become his narrative that he's the narrative that he's uh, adopted and it's one that obviously he approves of and and right likes to uh take care of well he had all that time contemplating and so i guess he decided that it was was gonna be good yeah (laughs) because i mean and it's so great that martha Wright got right on the line you're not sure if he's gonna say let's stop seeing each other you know like right he's caught her in the dress and was that something that 
he wasn't ready for and did she push him away in that or and you know the fact that we are so satisfied by the delivery of a proposal and uh even though we're kind of thinking it's going to happen the way that martha takes you down this other path and then ends up back on you know back on track it's just that's the journey is so rewarding in each of these um, movies that we do i think as an audience member i you know i love being able to separate myself from from the performance and um and what i know is going to happen i'm always surprised when i do watch and that's that's a hard process for me because i'm really self-critical so. Yeah, I'm sure. I when I saw the green tie, I literally like squealed audibly. I was like, "Oh!" <laughs> I was so excited. I was so excited. So, so great. Well, we hope there'll be more. We really do. We are we are just trying our best to uh, to uh, to get more. And I know the postables really want more movies. But if if it had to go, uh, if it is. It, it's it was a great one but hopefully not so we will see what happens but uh but thank you so much for coming on and uh and talking with us i really had a great time talking with you thank you so thank you so much for your questions and your time that was fun yeah. hopefully we get to do this after the next movie yes any <laughs> any time and let's get that how to fall in love too <laughs> okay let's yeah just that. start tweeting bart we'll write it okay i promise we will we will okay Okay, do you have thanks, any social media thanks. that you want to share? I'm on Twitter, absolutely, sure. It's uh, Eric underscore Mabius, and I'm, you know, we tweet like crazy constantly about the show because everyone's Good. doing weekly rewatches of previous movies. There's a lot. I got a, I actually just finished a movie that'll be out next year playing um, the disgraced NBA ref, Tim Donahue, which is a lot oh. of fun and a completely different character than Interesting. I've played in the past. Cool. Well, and great. Um, there'll be, I'm actually developing another um, series of movies for Hallmark that uh, we should start shooting this fall. So there'll be more. Oh, that's for, great. Uh, to, you know, Hallmark, yeah. That's yeah, completely, um, completely different kind of character, too. Ooh. Oh, good. Small town sheriff. Oh, Small well, town sheriff. Yeah, that'll be good. We'll keep us posted, <laughs> for sure, on that. We'll, we'll definitely. And you, Absolutely. You can come on anytime you want onto the podcast. And uh, thanks again. And uh, yeah, have a great rest of your summer and, uh, and we'll look forward to more movies. Fantastic. Thank you so much okay. for your time. Bye. Bye-bye. I'd really like to thank Eric for his time. It was so much fun to get to talk to him. And uh, yeah, you can follow me at Rachel's Reviews on iTunes and on YouTube. And make sure you're following the podcast at Hallmarkies Pod on Instagram and Twitter and uh, all over social media and please put in your reviews on itunes for the podcast we really appreciate it because the more reviews we have the more people will find us so thanks again to eric and i uh, hope you all have a great day and we'll talk to you later bye